you are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane. And one of the things that I love the most about Jenny Kane is how seamlessly all of their staples go together. Their iconic styles truly, truly make getting dressed so easy. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, so think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off. Now, if you love sweaters, Jenny Kane has an unrivaled selection that will become your new obsession. They are known for their super luxe yet lightweight sweaters, and they do cashmere pretty much better than anyone. My Jenny Kane Everyday Sweater is hands down one of my favorite and most versatile sweaters that I own. First off, it is so super soft and cozy, I feel like I am getting a hug every time I wear it. And its wool cashmere blend makes it a great option from fall through spring. For those cooler summer evenings, Jenny Kane also has a great selection of cotton and linen sweaters. And if that wasn't enough, they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase. Find your new staples at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com. So JennyKane.com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Imagine having a bra that you actually want to wear. And maybe this seems inconceivable if you don't already own a bra by today's sponsor, Honey Love, which has transformed the bra game. With Honey Love, say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love is so comfortable, you may even forget that you're wearing it. Now is the time to spring clean your bra drawer. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash birthful. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash birthful. Now, currently, I have been very partial to my Honey Love Silhouette bra. It is super soft and it has these really lovely 3D printed velvet details that actually add support. And I can even crisscross the straps in the back. Also, like all of Honey Love's bras, it features supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. I can tell you I'm never in a rush to take it off. Plus, Honey Love also has incredibly comfortable shapewear, matching underwear, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. Treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com birthful. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off at honeylove.com birthful. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them Birthful sent you. Treat yourself to Honey Love. 
Hey, Mighty One, you are probably aware by now that we are taking a break from our usual series until September. And in the meantime, we're sharing some of our favorite birth stories that you probably haven't heard yet. We've dug them up from the vault. They even have the old music. And so today's story is from Shelley Wiley, and it is filled with so many fantastic insights, like how when her partner spoke up to the nurse, that made her feel so safe that she was able to truly dive into the process, or how she had put so much power into using the tub, and once she got in it, she hated it, but then was able to pivot and find that the shower was beyond amazing for her. So yeah, as I re-listened to this story, I just could not wait to share it with all of you. So here we go. Enjoy the story. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and we continue with our birth stories for the summer series. Today's story comes from Shelley Wiley, who shares how the shower beats the tub, how birth is not as horrendous as the Machu Picchu Trail, and how you can absolutely have a lovely birth, even if you have to come undone and regather yourself in the process. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. Thanks again for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, then please, please subscribe and leave a review, especially in iTunes, even if that's not how you usually listen to it. I truly appreciate it and it really helps. All right, today we continue with our birth stories for the summer series. Let's hear then what Shelley Wiley's birth story is all about. Shelley Welcome to the show. I am so happy to have you here today. Uh, happy to be here. Very excited. Yeah, and for joining us all the way from Australia and coordinating that time difference. I appreciate it so much. No worries. No, I had a little power nap, so now I'm ready to go. Fantastic. So your birth story, before we get into it, I, I always like to ask a little bit about like what what was the what was happening during pregnancy like what were your wishes for your birth well, let's start with that um I really wanted a birth that uh that I could be proud of in a in a very general sense that it was something um uh, there's no easy way to have birth I know but in in my own books of of what was easy and and what was sort of true to um the type of woman that I thought I was it it was going to be very much a birth like that so it was going to be under my control <laughs> and I'm I'm a very I'm a quite a leadership person in in my own life and in my roles at work so I wasn't comfortable with, you know, other people being in control or other people dictating the speed that something happened or where something happened. So while I admit I'm, you know, I'm not an expert in any field relating to birth, I wanted to remain uh, the leader of my birth. I think that would be a good way to summarize it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as you were pregnant and set out to figure out how to do that, to have a labor experience that you were proud of, what did you do during pregnancy in order to prepare? I just, oh, look, I did everything that, 
that came up. So if I I was first introduced to Birdful and I started from the beginning and, and worked my way through and if there was an article that was mentioned, I read that. And if there was a book, I read uh, a, a specific chapter or a portion of the book or the whole book. I listened, I joined mailing websites, I joined a course that was developed here in Australia called Sheba. Um and I, I only managed to join the correspondence course because I live about five hours from the nearest large city. Uh, but even that was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed SheBirth. And they provided um, a number of resources. And I, I followed all their resources. And, and if they said, you know, do this once, <laughs> do this once a day every week, I would do it. Once a day, every week, and then twice on Sunday. So I was really gung ho. Uh, I, you know, I eventually worked out where things may, where I could, where I could sort of lean back or or push forward on certain things. But I, I did everything that was recommended to me and that I understood to be worthwhile in my life and in my scenario. Uh, I developed a bit of a mindset very early on. I developed a picture in my head of of what woman I wanted to be in the birth in the moment and I had this uh sort of juxtaposing image of of an Amazon woman and and the woman that you see in justice statues I call her Lady Justice she's mm-hmm. sort of holding the the scales and to me both of those women really represented strength you know strength of mind and strength of body and I'd always had, uh, in, in, in my adolescence, I'd gone through most of what, you know, every, I think every woman goes through in adolescence of that trying time and that displeasure with your body. But I'd also done a lot of competitive sport and a lot of uh, sport training. I did horse riding. I did competitive uh, ballet and dancing. And, I, I mean, I played on the rugby union team and the netball team and the volley team. So I'd always had a really confident body and a body that I could have faith in that in a, in a physical aspect, my body would not let me down. And that developed as I got older and, and I've always drawn on those experiences as, you know, well, you did this, so clearly you'll be able to do this next thing. And and specifically for birth, I kept thinking of Machu Picchu I walked the Machu Picchu trail with my partner a few years ago and that was just horrendous I could not fathom (laughs) just how much I've never heard that Um, being described as horrendous (laughs) for me it was horrendous because uh, I wasn't I was the last one on the trail I was the last uh there was there was all these young fit girls on there and then I was also traveling with my partner and his best friend and his wife and they were very fit. They were both um, playing for sport teams at the time. And I was the last one and that was really debilitating for me. Mm. But I did it. I got there. And that's yeah. how I felt about my body. You know, I'm, it, it might go one way or the other, but, but I can do it. I can get there eventually. Well, there you go. And I'm wondering, because yeah. you mentioned um, that you were so athletic before and you, that you looked at a lot of resources, did you get a chance? Was the Rhea Dempsey's book on, um, and now I can't remember the name of her book, uh, Birthing, oh. uh, uh, something yeah. birthing. 
Ah, uh, Rhea, I, she's going to kill I me. I think that's uh, my, big, my big downfall in life is I, for the life of me, and this is when I talk to other people about my birth, this always comes up. I can't remember names and books and websites, but I can always say to someone, oh, I read this great article. Um, now I'm going to have to look it up because I yeah. can't do this. Like I'm looking it up right now, people. Um, and she, it was, so I did a, uh, a podcast with her. And it was about about the, you know, pain during birth and the purpose of pain during birth. It was birth with yes, confidence. I remember that now. Birth yeah. with confidence. Save you choices for normal birth. Rhea Dumpsey. I yes. clearly, um, yeah, I clearly actually remember that podcast. I, I can't remember if I did go back and do some reading, but I did. I loved that podcast. I think in a moment. Uh, she briefly mentioned, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't rock up to a marathon race without training, mm-hmm. and that and that labour is a bit of a marathon, and that you do need to train and prepare for that event. And um, that spoke so true to me. I used to have a horse riding instructor who would say, "You win your ribbons at home in 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 the paddock at home. Mm-hmm. You win your ribbons every time that you turn out to go for a ride at home. You don't you don't win the ribbon on the day." And I feel like that that's something I sort of have carried through my life. And I think that's, that's what you say. You don't you don't birth on the day in that moment, even though you physically do, you you can do so much of, of your birth on that day in 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 preparation yeah. beforehand. I love that. That early, early, early labor that is pregnancy. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you've prepared, you've done, you've read all the books, you've done everything and twice on Sunday and then <laughs> comes the day. Uh, how, how did you know you were in labor? Well, I, well, I didn't, I didn't have the early labor signs that I really expected. So many of my girlfriends and everything that I'd read had talked about first time mothers, you know, um, having a longer labor and I expected there to be, I'd done lots and lots of visualizations. And in my visualizations, it was, it was slow and steady. I was going to have time to go for a dog walk and I was going to yeah, go and have a nice breakfast and that there'd, there'd be a fair bit of downtime before anything started. But on uh, my due date, actually, I was outside with my partner. He was mowing the lawn and, and he had a joke and he said, oh, this, this might be the last time I do this. And we thought, oh, haha, very funny. And I stood up quickly and felt something drop inside me like a sack of marbles and mm. sprinted off to the toilet. And he saw it and I saw it. But, I, you know, I didn't think any of it because I knew that the likelihood that anything was going to happen that day was very slim. And then again at 7 o'clock that night I had a little bit of blood when I went to the toilet and I told my partner, but I came out again and I said, you know, this doesn't mean anything. It could still happen at the end of the week. It could happen tomorrow. Let's not get, you know, don't don't get excited. Don't jinx it. Don't, <laughs> it's really, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't say anything. Don't Don't think anything. Don't say anything or you'll jinx it. And within an hour, so by about 8 p.m. that night, I'd gone from mild, mild contractions to uh, mild, mild cramps, sorry, to something that more closely resembled a contraction. And I, t- I told my partner and, and I started moving around the house, cleaning up and just very much got the sensation that, that something was actually happening. And 
you know, I, I cleaned up my dinner and put that away and I remember putting socks away. Just I'm a very organised person and I just needed the space to sort of be empty and and not have any of that clutter in my mind. Mm-hmm. And oh, by about 10 p.m. I was uh, – and the, these times are very rough and they're, they're times that I've sort of gathered from going back and listening to my partner's version of the story and, and whatnot. I, um, I wouldn't want anyone to think that, that any of the times that I list are uh, you very weren't keeping, specific. Yeah, you weren't looking no. at the clock and writing things down. <laughs> yeah, right? and I specifically wasn't looking at the clock as well because I, I, didn't, I didn't want my birth to go like that. Um, so much so that I I didn't have uh, I didn't have any app for timing contractions, and I hadn't even spoken to my partner about it. It was just a non-issue for me. But yeah, by about ten pm, there were definitely contractions, and we were timing them because I just thought this is so fast, much faster than anything that I'd planned for. But I was feeling really good about it. I was feeling pretty good. I was, I'd already started doing this sort of swaying, you know, silent mumbo in my head, and that was really working really nicely for me. But as we approached midnight, I just I didn't feel right about being at home anymore. As much as I had, um, I had planned to stay home as long as possible, and we only lived five minutes from the hospital, so that was was not an issue at all. But it was just moving far too fast for my liking. And I asked my partner to ring the hospital and they said, sure, come on in, which was not the answer that I had expected at all. And uh, I, was con- I was convinced that they were going to tell us to go home. So we packed into the car, but we didn't even take my hospital bags, which is, you know, ta-da, the big moment. We, didn't, we really didn't think we'd be staying. It just seemed ridiculous to go from, you know, four hours of um, being at home under 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 these conditions. It just seemed so silly. And even when I arrived at the hospital, of course, my contractions eased right back. And I thought, oh God, you know, I've done that thing. I didn't want to do this. I didn't, you know, it wasn't in my visualization <laughs> to come to the hospital at this point. But here I was and we got shown into a room, had a greeted by a lovely midwife named Nicole and she did a vaginal examination um, at my request, although I asked her not to tell me how dilated I was. I just wanted to know, should we stay or should we go home? And she, I, I think her exact words were, you know, you're fully effaced and everything's ready to go. And I felt very confident about about my ability to interpret that as um, you're not dilated at all, <laughs> and um, and 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 we're we're still at the start of a very long journey, which is a bit. Um, mm, it wasn't hard information to take. It was it was hard information to act on because I definitely was confident about how quickly things were progressing. But I was just as confident that, just as confident that I should I should stay at home for absolutely as long as possible. And I was, you know, tossing up in my mind whether whether I had actually done that or not. Had I had I reached some sort of limit that I could withstand at home, or or had I just 
caved into early anxiety and early sort of frustration and fear. And I didn't know what to do with it, but my partner took charge at that point. And he said, let's stay, you know, it's, it's nice here. We've got a room. We've got a room with a bath. And that was a big thing for me. Not every one of the birthing suites has a bath. So he was like, tried to, you know, play that angle of the things that I wanted for my birth. So we'll stay here. We'll keep the room. We'll keep the bath. Shelley, Much easier you, than going home. So I have a, a question there. I'm going to interrupt you as yeah. things pop up in my head. Um, when your part, when you were checked and, and you didn't want to know, know what, you know, what the dilation was, did your partner get to know her or they didn't get to know either? Yeah. So at some point she uh, must have grabbed him in the hallway and she said that I was one centimetre. Okay. So one centimetre at midnight and fully effaced. Okay, so uh, I'm just curious, yeah. since he took charge and was kind of saying what to do, and I, I mm. just, was just curious to see if he had that some insight or information for for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder what made him, it, and it could have also been the sort of the time of day, you know, it was midnight, we don't want to be, you know, schlepping back and forth Yeah, through the town at midnight. Um, again, in my visualisation, I, I could have literally walked to the hospital and I had thought about that too. I was like, you know, that would be a great way to um, help my labour and, and to, you know, really visually see a metaphor of, of stepping and walking and getting closer to the hospital and closer to my birth as, as I went had to pause and go through each contraction. We, we live that close. I can mm. see the hospital from my bedroom window. And I'd, I have always had really positive associations with hospitals and it was it's a brand new hospital with a beautiful new maternity ward and I'd been so excited to do a tour. So the idea of staying wasn't unpleasant at all, uh, though I, I was of the understanding that it, it potentially did increase my chances of, of interventive um, birthing, strateg- birthing strategies later on. Um, but that, that didn't come to mind when I agreed, my partner and I agreed that we would stay there. We were happy with that decision. Cool. So, Uh, yeah. yeah. So then what happened? (laughs) So, well, then we had, uh, you know, my, uh, my partner is, uh, he's a, he's a quiet man when you first meet him. He's, he's a big man, quite stoic, reserved, uh, until you get to know him. And I had had worries that I had said to him, my biggest worry is that you will uh, cave into some sort of pressure that might be placed on you in an emergency uh, because you aren't confident in your own opinion. And I will be obviously too engaged with labour to strongly voice my opinion and that was my big fear and and I'd made him promise you know I really need to have confidence that you are going to do what I want to do in those situations and and that was a big thing for us and and in deciding to stay at the hospital I'd I'd been happy with that decision and with him for making it and then the next step was a nurse who came in to give me a cannula because I needed antibiotics I had uh I can't remember this groupy strap yeah 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 I had that positive yep and positive and when she came in 
she attempted to put the cannula in mid-contraction and my partner actually stopped her and said, she's having a contraction, can you not do that? And and the woman had some coy remark and um, and said something along the lines of, you know, you need to stand still for me to put this in and, and my partner said, she can't stand still because I, I for every contraction, to begin with, at home I was on my knees in the contractions, but as they built, I needed to be standing and I needed to be swaying and dancing and sort of hunched over a bed. And just him prioritising me like that and telling this professional that um, that what she was doing wasn't good for me was such a beautiful, mm-hmm. <laughs> it literally got me mid-contraction on turned and looked at him and my you know my heart poured out of my throat because I I I I just uh, it it was so um so filling for me and from that point forward I I didn't have any more fears about my partner and what what he would do in in uh in in the progressing labor he had me yeah he had your back you could clearly tell that's fantastic that you had that moment yeah, and and when she left, it was all said and done. I I sort of turned to him and I said, you know, if she comes back, and he said, don't worry, if she comes back, I'll tell her to leave. Uh, so the cannula is in, and and that was fine. And he and the midwife Nicole made a bit of a pillow castle for me, so that when I did sit down, I could rest against a pillow castle. And he was very very good at. Uh, I needed to be standing before the contraction came and I sort of needed to sway my way out of it as well. And he was very good at holding my body, helping my body to get up and down for each contraction. So he he started off the night very well. Mm-hmm. That went on until about 2.30. I had uh, I put my TENS machine on before we left the hospital, which um, – was perhaps my best investment. I'd had a few girlfriends who'd used it. And so I was, I was very keen on using the TENS machine and, and it worked really well for us. Can you describe a little bit more about what the TENS machine is? Because I don't think we talk about, I've, I haven't done a podcast about the TENS machine and I don't think it's a tool that gets as much use or attention as, um, mm. as it should because I've never heard anybody say, when they've used the tennis machine, that it wasn't helpful for them. But at the same time, it's like this little secret that just gets, you know, passed by. Yeah, so, yeah, if yeah. you wouldn't mind explaining about it. Yeah, so it's the same here. I, I'd only found out about it from people who'd had success from it. And I, the hospital too, I'd asked the midwife if I was able to use one in the hospital. She said, I don't know what it is. Um, so I, I've had the same experience. So... Uh, I, I'm not sure what it is for everyone, but for me, it was a company in a major city who hired it out. It was a, a little uh, battery pack about the size of your phone that you uh, could insert batteries in and, and you could put that on an armband or a waistband and four pads, sticky self-adhesive pads that you put either side of your spine, as well as a little handheld trigger. And it would send these little electronic impulses into your body all the time. And then as a contraction came, I would press the little trigger in my hand and it would jump up in, uh, I don't know what 
the correct word like for the sort of electric intensity. Yeah, the intensity. It would jump up for the period of the contraction. And then as the contraction eased, I'd press the trigger and it would jump back down. It's, it's electricity, small amounts of electricity um, being passed through your body. And it was just uh, it's a diversion, really, and and a sensation that was not painful, but equal to the sensation of the contractions. Uh, it, it's very it's very hard to describe, and I think you know a lot of people probably see the tens machine. Well, my exposure to the tens machine certainly was those videos that you see on Facebook of of men experiencing labor you know and they put the pads on their belly and and I'm sure that their partners send the send the level of electricity right up through the roof and and that seems all very painful and and unhelpful but when you have those electric impulses with the contraction they sort of pardon each other out it's like a big cancellation yeah, and, and you can yeah. you can control it yourself, and you can you know yeah. move the intensity yeah. to different bits. So I, I, I like that it's very self directed. It's not the same thing if you're just bracing yeah. for this thing, like in the videos that are going to come. It's something that you yeah definitely you know, yeah control. Awesome, and it, I think it is probably important that um, you do actually self direct it. it. Would it might be potentially it might occur to someone to let someone else hold the trigger, but uh, for an example specifically, my partner and I had played around with it the day before and that was a big hoot. But he had reached some level of, say, 30 or 40 and it had been overwhelming for him. But by the time I was about at that stage about six hours into contractions and they were coming at least every four or three minutes, I was at 40 and beyond. And they didn't feel painful for me at all. Mm-hmm. So in that circumstance, had I have let my partner control it, he would look at it and go, wow, well, 40, that's incredibly painful. But for me, that wasn't painful. <laughs> that was, it was beautiful. And it goes back to the same thing. Like I know when people are having back pain, it's really helpful to have counter pressure in that lower back. And you got to really lean into it. Like I put as a doula, I put my whole weight in and I tell mm. partners like really go into it more than you think because it's, you, you know, you mom will tell you if it's too much, mm. but I've mm. hardly ever had anybody say it was too much. Yeah. The, to balance out the contractions can require um, sort of that level of intensity. Yeah, yeah. And had yeah, it's um it's for me it was it was sixty dollars for a six week hire. And you know, if you think about all the paraphernalia that you might buy in preparation for birth and and the cost of um hospital and insurance and whatever else goes into it, it's such a small amount to take a risk on personally. Yeah. So Shelly, yeah. we're gonna I'm gonna interrupt you and you're gonna go well. I can't talk. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back because I am like dying to hear. Well, I've seen the pictures, so I know what's coming. So um, yeah, yeah, dying to hear. We'll be right back. 
Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths per day? That is so many breaths. Now, according to the EPA, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to a hundred times more polluted. So then what is the solution for cleaner indoor air? For me, it's Air Doctor and their line of superb air purifiers that have captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and many more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes all kinds of pollutants, such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that can make you sick. Plus, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code BIRTHFALL to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. And exclusive to podcast listeners, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot com so airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code birthful tell me if this sounds familiar you've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids and then when you want to share them it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to and then also remembering that say aunt helen only does email so you need to send her image separately Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. And we are back listening to Shelly's birth story. And so we were just talking about the TENS machine, how that was helpful. You were around 2.30 in the morning and contractions were coming about, you said, every three to four minutes. So things were intense. You were cranking up that TENS machine. You were Mm. being extremely supported by your 
partner um, and had gotten into a rhythm of swaying and going in and out of these this pillow fort. I love the pillow castle that you called it. <laughs> so then, yeah. yeah, get us back well, in Well, at this point, you know, the bath that I had wanted, that I had been I had this cannula in my hand, in in my in my hand, and and I'd been looking longingly at the bath, and I knew I wasn't allowed to get in the bath until I had sort of gotten a certain way through my labour, and I, I tentatively asked, and the midwife said, "Yeah, sure, let's get in," and so that was really great because not only was I going to be let in the bath, but I knew I must have been doing the journey must have been really progressing if she would let me in the path in the bath. And it was horrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so much, um, I pegged so much on this bath. I, I really thought it was going to be the, the end to all my woes. But as soon as I got in I, and, I, and I didn't have something under my feet, I didn't sort of like, um, like we were talking about counter pressure a moment ago, it was sort of like the ground was a counter pressure for me. And I needed needed that under my feet and I was lying on my side completely submerged in the water and I was kicking this bathtub you know I thought I wouldn't have been surprised if it broke I know it wouldn't I know it wasn't going to break it was a bathtub and I'm just a person but I felt like I was I was kicking it down and there was water going everywhere and my partner was like oh you know take it easy and and the midwife had to say no she's fine kick do what you need to do I must have been in there for maybe a handful or so of contractions um, before my temperature became too much. It was too high and and I, I'd been sick as well and it, it was just horrible. Oh, I, I can't believe how horrible it was because mm. it was such a godsend in my head. And, and I was out of the bath. <laughs> and I think it's really good to point that out because we we know how so many things are great, can be really good help. And the water can be a fantastic help. But yeah, not everybody loves that. They, yeah. and, and, and you had your rhythm and, and, and standing and swaying was a really, being grounded, like you said, was a really big part of it. So I can see how the water, and if it gets to a point where if you're really overwhelmed, sometimes it can help. But sometimes it's like you're at a point where nothing really, Mm. it's just Mm. nothing helps except time, except things moving along. Mm. Mm. Definitely. Well, and then I was able to get in the shower and I had one shower head pointing on my back and one shower head pointing at my pelvis from the front. And that was a a beautiful sort of combination of the both. I'd been really hesitant about the shower and, and I, you know, I thought the shower is potentially the poor man's option. But once I was in it, it was a, it was a beautiful, lovely place to be. And it was also, uh, it was also, what's the word? It created a boundary. If anyone wanted to get near me, they had to get wet. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and, and that, that, dull padding of the water, that sound, that water sound, I love that. And so it, was, it became a little microcosm and uh, I felt really, really safe in the water. And it was at this point that uh, that my partner, we had planned for my sister to be our birth support person. But, of course, the plan was that my sister would have joined us at home because we would have stayed at home a lot longer. And it occurred to him at this point that, um, oh, I forgot, I forgot a really – a cool little part actually as we were getting out of the bath 
the nurse who was administering the antibiotics came in and asked our midwife whether I would need uh, the next dose. I think they give them out on a six-hourly, something about that. There was mm-hmm. a, there was another dose that was meant to come and my partner and I both heard the midwife say something like, this baby will be out by six. And, again, it was that thing of, you know, don't make eye contact because if you make eye contact, you'll jinx it. You know, it's not going to happen. Just And uh, we, we both heard her clear as day, but we didn't say anything. But I think it both, you know, sort of shot through us like electricity, like, okay, yeah, this, this is actually really going. This, yeah. is, this is happening. Yeah. Uh, so we're in the shower and my, my partner has to call my sister and she's also um, an amateur photographer and um, we wanted those photos. That was a big thing for me. I really wanted the photos. And it was at that point that uh, my, my sister had arrived. I was in the shower my partner had stepped outside to greet my sister and I felt something move through me with such force and and weight uh, and I thought it was the head and <laughs> I was screaming out from the shower, you know, the head's come, the head's come and, and it wasn't. It was, <laughs> wouldn't that have been lovely? It was, uh, it was the sack. The sack had come out and was huh. still hanging between my legs in sort of one, like a, like was, a very heavy shopping bag between my legs. Was it oh, great because it was still intact, right? So it was yeah filled. It was just like yeah, a little like oh, not little, but like a water balloon filled, yeah, filled yeah, water balloon yeah. in between your legs. Yeah, and of course, if you've never had a, you know a sack hanging between your legs, you might be forgiven for thinking that it was a head. And, and for sure, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it definitely wasn't. And the midwife nicked it and. At that point, uh, I was starting to, in the bath also where I'd been uncomfortable, but certainly in the shower, I was starting to lose control in some of the contractions. And, you know, and I use the word control very vaguely. I, I was starting, I wasn't able to focus through them. My partner was really good about reminding me to breathe and saying, you know, every time that you lose focus, you're not breathing. That's that's what happens, and and really reminding me that that inhale breath was so important, and that I needed to prepare for each. You know, I could I couldn't take a I couldn't take a break from preparing for the next contraction. I needed to be on my game, and and he was so good in in reminding me of that. But I I look back now and I can see that I was actually in transition in the shower because this tiny little voice in the back of my head and a part of me doesn't want to admit it. I I don't want to admit that I had this thought, but it it is the truth. And I I think that's important to say that no matter how strong and brave you think you are, uh, you have to admit that you might have been had a weak moment or, or a failing moment. But I was thinking epidural in the back of my head going, I can't. I can't do this now. I've I've reached the limit of what I can control and what I can breathe through. And it was almost like I'd have a contraction and, and my brain would seize up and my brain would go, epidural, epidural, epidural. And then in between the contraction, I'd go, no, there's there's something else. What else is there? There's other things. And then the contraction would come again. And so it took me a little while to remember that I had gas as an option and as something that I was happy to use. And you know, a, a big round of applause to the midwife. She had done exactly what my birth plan said. She had not offered me 
drug anything at this stage. And when I said, could I have some gas? She said, yeah, sure, I've got the machine just here. It's ready for you. And and that was great. I mean, I didn't realise it in the moment, but looking back now, I can see she followed my birth plan. She had not said one moment about any other medication until I'd asked for it. And I, I was told later on that I hadn't used it properly, but I got something out of it. It might have just been placebo, but I felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that question in my head, did I use the gas, did I not use the gas? I'm not sure. Um, See, and that's one thing that it's starting to show up in the U.S., but we don't really have it available. I know mm. it's something in the UK and Australia and that has, I mean, I think it's slowly coming around and, and it can be really great help and beneficial because it's another one of those things that it's very short lived and, uh, and the mom can control it and, and take mm. it up or down mm. specifically to her needs. Yeah. 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 And well, and, and from that point too, I think it gave me a bit of, a bit of clarity to just reset in my head because it was at this point as well that the midwife was sort of saying, do you need to push? Do you need to push? And and I was, no, I didn't. I didn't feel the need to push yet. And I, for one, I don't know how it happened, but I was being led back out to the bed and I remember screaming, I don't want to push, I don't want to push. And um, and that was, again, I you know, I don't want to admit to having my weak moment, but I, I definitely had my weak moment because, I realized that at this point, the contractions, you know, for want of better description, the contractions had been happening to me. But now I was at this precipice where I, act, if I was going to push, I had to engage. I had to, um, I had to be, the, yeah. yeah, I couldn't just, I couldn't just be on the receiving end of the contraction. I had to be working with the contraction. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really scary for a moment. And I think the gas gave me a pause that I needed to just digest that idea that now I was I was coming into that pushing phase and and I needed to dig into some extra uh, extra energy and extra conviction to to begin this new phase. So I got on the bed and I was kneeling uh, on my knees, sort of folded underneath me, sort of. To me, it felt like I had this huge amphitheater. I'd created this huge amphitheater of space between my vagina and the bed. But again, the photos are so useful because I look back and I can see now the midwives were and my partner, they were all trying to move me. I was really comfortable, but there wasn't any room to work. I was planted dead against (laughs) the bed. (laughs) And, And even though I was on the bed and even though I was on my knees, I just had this sensation again of wanting to be really grounded, getting as close to the surface that was under me as I possibly could and making myself as small as I possibly could and really physically feeling that need to go inside myself. You know, I had my chin pressed to my chest and I wasn't looking at anyone or anything else. Um, but it, it was a bad position for the people who had to do work around me. Uh, there's a photo of the midwife and, and she would have been in a squatting position for a good hour at one point. And, and oh, my God, that just uh, so in debt to that sort of um, physical determination on her behalf. And this was about we're getting to 
about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning now. And once I found, once I tapped into that desire to push, you know, the contractions took on a whole new feeling. They no longer hurt. Uh, it was like in, in the same way that I'd been scared of actually engaging and grappling with these contractions, once I did, I felt far more in control. I felt far more um, like, like my efforts were not in vain. Like mm. the pain was energy rather than pain. Um, so once I once I got into it, it felt fantastic to actually be doing something. I'm sure lots of people say this, and I've heard people say this. Like once I started pushing, it felt fantastic. And uh, we were joined by our second attending midwife, and she was so comforting and so maternal and so protective. She was slightly older. She was about my mum's age, actually, which probably had a bit to do with her. And if she had been whispering in my ear and cuddling me, I would not have thought it odd. She was just so loving and she spoke so gently and so slowly. And she uh, used her finger on my on my spine to sort of talk about how I was pushing that baby down and how I was breathing down into that space and just just her hand, I can remember her hand stroking my spine. Oh, she she was wonderful too. I was very fortunate to have two really wonderful midwives helping me that that and that also seemed to really get on their disposition seemed to really suit my partner and I. Um they put me in another position off the bed where I was leaning with my elbows and forearms on the bed and kneeling on the ground. And that was okay and it was not a bad position for me to rest a little bit in because my partner could take the weight of my arms and and pull against me as I push down and and create create more of that counterbalance but I wasn't comfortable still and the midwife still was um, legs flat out on the floor trying to to get in and see you know they had a mirror there Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking I don't need a mirror that mirror is that mirror is not for me but of course, it wasn't for me. It was for them to see because they just they couldn't get any space between me and the ground. Hey. So we tried um, tried the toilet, um, and and that I immediately hated that. And then we were back on the bed in the first position, and and it must have just been a little bit more rearranging and a little bit more using the electronic heights of the bed. But that seemed to um, be a little bit better for everyone involved and and that's when we got into the business of uh of of pushing the head out and the midwife saying to me you know expect a little bit of singing a little bit of singing and I'd really sort of gathered my momentum at this point and I was feeling really good about the position I was in and I kind of you know a little part of me was like no I'm gonna bear this singing I'm gonna have this this is gonna be my warrior wound and I was ready for it and, and I braced myself not to hesitate when I felt it, but I didn't feel it. Mm. Um, yeah, and, uh, and I, I later learned that I, I didn't tear. Um, and, and the midwife sort of spoke about and said that, you know, that was because you'd had this nice uh, rhythm of pushing slowly a little bit at the time. I think you once referred to it as the, the baby cha-cha. Mm-hmm. Or the, yeah, just, and she said, you know, you, you did 
a really good job of 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 enduring that and and going with that and not fighting that you know two steps forward one step back feeling and she said you were really prepared so and look and it could have just been my body I also did a lot of um, vaginal stretching just with olive oil at home in the lead up to my labor and so you know part baby's head part me part the labor what whatever you put it down to I didn't yeah. tear that well it doesn't matter right <laughs> you didn't tear. yeah oh yeah yeah who cares how it happened yeah, yeah, yeah. no and it and, is I, I find that you know as the head is is crowning and coming out and and going back in and then when it stays it and doesn't move back that that can be stressful so it seems like you were really you had good control in terms of just letting the head slowly slowly instead of just going like oh, I want to be done and you know yeah yeah, yeah I think. And, it, and it could be so easy I can imagine how people would just want to want to push push as quickly and forcefully as possible it's definitely a sensation yeah. that's not easy to sit with because you can't sit <laughs> um you, you know you can't you physically can't bear it but um the head to me, it was a really obvious sensation, but I hadn't even considered the fact the shoulders felt really weird. Mm. Um, I guess, you know, just that, that, that information that we get from movies and whatnot, you think the head comes out and then everything else comes out. And I, I guess in some cases it does. But for me, the shoulders, uh, I've got another great photo of the midwife with her hands trying to navigate the shoulders out and you can see her face. You can see how much effort she's putting into helping my son's, I knew I was having a son, helping my son's shoulders come out. And then he was out and every, ah, (laughs) I can still feel it. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, it was, it was fantastic. And the midwife had already come around to the front and I was, it, it was summer in Australia. So through the birth, I had just been wearing, I had come to the hospital with a skirt and a bikini top and the skirt had been ditched long ago, but she quickly unraveled the bikini top and and they passed him through and under my legs and onto my chest. And I remember standing there and everyone was putting their arms out to me, helping me, wanting to help me turn around and sit down. And I clear as day remember thinking, I don't I don't need anyone's help. I I just birthed this baby. You know, I can turn around and sit down by myself. I didn't want to take anyone's hand. I, maybe I looked like I needed it. Safety you know, safety protocol. But I, I turned around and sat down by myself because I was so chuffed and so proud and so relieved and euphoric. No, I was. I didn't need anyone's help. That's. I just remember that that sense of pride and accomplishment that I finally had him in my arms. Mm. And um, I turned around and laid down and had him on my chest. Uh, I had originally wanted a, a physiological third stage, but uh, I had low platelets and so I had agreed to have some syntocin. Uh, so the syntocin was put into my thigh and uh, and uh, somewhere at that point I, I hemorrhaged. Uh, I, rem- I remember feeling the liquid around my ankles. I was lying down with, with my legs up my ankles near my near my buttocks but um but I didn't care I didn't even didn't phase me one bit I just I I actually thought it was the placenta 
And uh, but my partner had been told, been advised by a friend of ours that you know you've got to watch the midwives' faces because they don't always tell you what's going on, but you can see on their faces what's happening. And he had seen that something was happening. And there was a button pressed on the wall behind me, and another person entered the room. And but I just felt, uh, I felt. I, I mean, I was tired. I shut. I had my eyes closed. I wasn't looking at anyone. I was just sort of feeling my son. Mm-hmm. But I'm amazed at how quickly I was thinking to myself, "It's okay because he's here and he's healthy, and they're not taking him away from me, and they haven't said anything about him not being healthy." And I'm a full-grown woman, and if they need to cart me away and, and do a surgery on me, that's fine. You know, I've I've just done this birth. Whatever else they need to do to me, it, it's to me it was an afterthought, and and I just felt like it was okay. Like I had already done the hard yards. Whatever else came was fine. I didn't I didn't get worried about it at all. Um, except at one point they did they did take my son off me and give him to my sister. And I just briefly remember saying to my partner, don't let them feed him formula and make sure you do skin to skin. And uh, the what was happening, the, the hemorrhage had, had come and gone basically. There had mm-hmm. been, a bit, you know, about a litre of blood but it seemed to resolve on its own and then the placenta wouldn't come out. Mm. And there was some back and forth about this placenta and, and eventually, um, you know, the contractions came full force, so painful. And and I don't know if that's the general experience or if that was the symptosum, but I felt like they were far more painful than what I'd experienced in labour. Or maybe it was just that there was no baby there for right. them to, for the, con- <laughs> yeah, they were incredible. Oh my gosh. And I had one midwife sort of pulling on the placenta trying to get it out and I had the other midwife kneading in my stomach and she's you know Mm. she's saying I'm sorry I'm sorry it hurts and I'm saying no do it do it you know get it out and uh, and it came out in in one full piece about 40 minutes later so yeah as much as I'd wanted a physiological as much as I'd had the syntocin um it, it I was kind of um, a little bit spitefully happy that that it had taken a bit longer because you know coming coming out of the mouth of someone who who can look back in retrospect and say that I had had as far as I was concerned my body delivered that placenta when my body was ready and uh, and I was still very happy with how that happened and then you know as um, my Alistair that's my son's name he was born at Five oh four, and by about six fifteen, I was looking out the window onto uh, a town in my street, and I love the mornings. Um, you know, sunrise is the best time of day, and just remember thinking, looking down, there were cons- some construction workers outside, and thinking, those guys have no idea, they have <laughs> no idea what I've done tonight. They have no idea how special this morning has been and that, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm an English teacher by trade. So I guess, you know, I was thinking all metaphorical and, you know, T.S. Eliot and, you know, different perspectives on the same, in the same moment. But I just, I was flabbergasted, you know, here I was, I'd given birth, I'd come in at nighttime in one physical state and, and here in the new day, I was in a completely different physical state. And yet the world was sort of 
churning outside. It was really, it was really cool. I really, I loved, mm. you know, seeing that new day like that. Yeah. yeah, you had that time to reflect on it and and, and how yeah. you changed, but the world just keeps on doing its mundane thing around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that that's what happened. Lovely story, lovely story. Yeah, and um, and so you know, I think you mentioned here and there where things were different, but and and what was most challenging? Can you do you think that the most challenging part was that? sort of working through with your with the voice in your head and feeling like you weren't like what was more challenging let me not put things in your mind mind. (laughs) I think the the challenging part was um uh, what I hadn't expected was the need to to renew and readjust the the as much as I had prepared myself you know when new things happened and and you would have to go, okay, well, this new scenario has presented itself and and it might not line up with my birth plan or it might not line up with how I thought things would go or how I envisaged that I would react. And I just always needed a moment to process that and go, um, you know, as I was saying that there were moments where where I felt that I had come undone or that I was weak or that I had caved into some lesser lesser strength you know I was an Amazon woman and I wasn't this wealth of 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 strength and processing that was really important um because if I I guess if I didn't sort of look at that and go you know it's okay it's okay this is this is different but it's still okay and you can do it again you have a redo there's another contraption going (laughs) you can you can try again and just sort of you know like like in sport and like life, you know, you often get a chance at a redo and a, and a second chance and, and really holding on to that idea rather than to holding on to what I had done wrong or what I'd lost or what was not the scenario and going, okay, well, this is, this is my new direction and, and I can do the new direction really well as well. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't take yeah. away anything from your Amazonian Justice League super. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's that, what is that saying? We can be, you know, being brave. Because it doesn't mean you're not afraid. It doesn't mean you're yeah. not, you know, you're, yeah. you're still doing it in the face of the difficulty yeah. and the, and the fear. That's, yeah. Yeah. And you do just, it afraid. Yeah, do it you know, afraid. You, you can jump up. You can, you can, you can be afraid and still go skydiving. You can do both of them. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and we do it all the time. And it's funny because you just described those moments that were challenging that you just described. It reminds me again of Rhea Dempsey's book because she calls them. She says that during birth and 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 just like you would at sports events, you get to points where you have crisis of confidence, mm. and that there are many throughout. And they can happen during pregnancy. And then, and it's about that, like you, your confidence sort of waves, right? And, and you have to yeah. figure out how to readjust and get past those moments of crisis of confidence. Yeah. And, and, you know, do you succumb to them? Because, you know, succumbing to them doesn't, I, I mean, you do, you do, you give in, you have to give into this moment of failure, but you don't have to stay in right. that place. You can, you can get back out of it again. Yeah, and finding uh, those mechanisms and that space of saying, this is not the end. This is not like, I, I can keep going. Let me just, let me just gather. Yeah. Give me a minute. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, that was another thing that um, that very lovely maternal midwife, she didn't ask me to, uh, and, and I this is my only birth and I don't know what is and isn't standard, but she didn't ask me to push on every contraction. I felt that was really great. She allowed me breathing space and she allowed me thinking space and and, and I'd miss a contraction and she'd go, that's okay, you'll be ready for the next one. Um, so that was really good too. Mm, I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is fantastic. So, Shelley, is there anything you would do differently? Is there anything that anything else you want to share that we've left out? Um, differently, not again. Um, I, I'm fortunate whether whether it was my body or the baby or the preparation or just the midwives I happen to have. I feel really good about my my birth and what happened, and so I'm able to say that there's there's not much that I'd do differently. I'd probably remember to take the hospital bags <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't end up using any of my tools, my equipment. I had lots of things, sort of, you know, I had a rebozo in that bag and. Um, that would be the only thing different. But then again, had I have used the bag, you know, I might have a very different birth story. Um, I definitely would encourage um, other people. I found the photos that I was able to look back on later so incredibly cathartic. And even though my birth went the way that, you know, many people would, would happily have their own birth go, I, the first time I looked at the photos, I cried and I cried and I cried because I could see everything that had happened and, uh, and I could see the pain in my face and I could see how tired I was and I could see my body straining. And the second time I looked at them, I cried and cried and cried and it wasn't until maybe the fifth time I looked at them, I was able to look at them and enjoy them. Uh, and and they became a real source of of reflection because I could look and I could go oh yeah look you know there there was that thing there and and that midwife was really close to me and she and and there's my partner's hand look how often he was holding my hand you know things that I didn't see or or didn't feel or remember at the time I was able to look back on and I can only imagine that if someone had had or if I had had a more traumatic experience that while those photos might have been initially traumatic to look at, they would have potentially offered the same resource for reflection and for healing. Um, so for me, those photos are invaluable. I love them. I love looking at them. Um, mm. And then the other thing that I feel is really important to sort of share with women I know who are pregnant is is um is that you know your pregnancy is not a time to be polite uh I found myself being very defensive and very aggressive through my pregnancy I found I had to be I had to be defensive about what people wanted to share with me and what issues from their own life and from our culture they wanted to project onto me. You know, I had multiple people say, oh, you know, when you, you get those contractions up and going, you're going to be begging for the epidural. And that just wasn't the case at all. That wasn't even close to the case. And I had to be really assertive and say to people, mm, you know, that's not me. Who do you think I am? Like, do, do I strike you? <laughs> 
do you, do you look at me and, and think that I'm going to fail from the out? Well, I, I apologize for using that word. Sorry. An epidural is not a fail, but it wasn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and do you, do you think that, that I'm not going to, to get what I want? Why would you put that on me? Um, yeah, absolutely. Epidural is not a fail at all. Yeah, but, no. Yeah, and I think it's it was more it, it, the point got across in that it's more about them trying to put something on you that yeah. might color your experience and 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 not what all you know is not authentic to you. So yeah, exactly. Uh, I exactly. like the idea then, of not being polite. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't be polite and be be impolite and be aggressive about what you want to know and what you want to do. Because you are bound to find yourself in situations where, um, like me, I was. We went to our antenatal class, and I just happened to be in a room of people who, you know, through choice or circumstance, weren't as engaged with their birth as I wanted to be. And I had a, I had a page, I had two A four pages of questions, and uh, and I could see other people were getting annoyed and and potentially a bit bored. And I just kept asking questions and questions and. Uh, but I don't care, and and then I didn't care, and and no one else should care either. You know, if you want to know something, if you want to inconvenience your doctor, if you want them to stay five more minutes and answer your questions, you should do that. Um, I at one point had a doctor do a quick ultrasound at about the twenty week mark, and I said, "Oh, you know, go on, tell me, tell me the gender." Um, I had wanted to find out the gender, and she said, "Oh, it's a boy." And then she put it all away, and I, I had, um, I had, you know, really, really wanted a girl. I, I definitely had gender disappointment, and I, I went home crying, and I was crying and thinking horrible things, and having really dark thoughts for a little while after that. And in retrospect, I, I should have been more aggressive in saying, "No, I want to see, show me," because it was obviously something that. I needed, you know, what a huge thing to find out the gender of your child, and yet it was it was done so matter of factly. Mm. And in retrospect, that was that was a time when I should have been really aggressive in what I needed, and I wasn't, and I let myself down. And it's so I find that you know the the, the whole process of pregnancy and birth and motherhood and, and and parenthood, it's all a lot of that of thinking of learning experiences and Mm. figuring out you know it's all new so you have new challenges new opportunities and 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 being in a mindset where you can actually take the time afterwards to reflect and consider like what we're talking right now you're thinking huh that was really hard for me and and I should have done this instead well then you've you've gone and 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 that experience means something in the sense that like next time you'll do it differently or you've learned something about yourself or you figure out a coping mechanism or things that are valuable and important to you. Right. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so much deeper than just like you're saying <laughs> the, the world going on and its own and construction workers doing their thing. And yeah, there's a lot more there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and your experience, you know, is, is incredibly valid, you know, everyone's experience on the planet is incredibly incredibly valid. But, I mean, I think you sometimes have to pause and remind yourself about what you're actually doing. And, uh, yeah, I was just having a chat to a girlfriend before and and we're both of the opinions that, you know, 
people who go through birth or go through pregnancy, you know, we need medals. We should be given little medals that we can wear, that we can walk around with because you're not just pregnant. You, you know, it's more than that. Um, and regardless and, and of the birth sometimes you, have, you need right? to be reminded. Yeah, and yeah. regardless of how it how it happened or how long it took or where it happened, you you showed up, you're in the game. And and you should be you should feel validated for that. And if and uh, and if you try I guess try to carry that around with you, it might help you to think, no, I I will ask the doctor for five more minutes of his time or I will insist that you know my birth plan be respected. Um, and 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 then who knows how much better your experience might be by being assertive like that. Mm, I love that. Shelley, thank you so, so much for being on the show, telling your story. And, and you know, you were mentioned, did you, maybe you want to mention it, about how this was <sighs> coming a full circle for you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So very early on, uh, I had a girlfriend who was then training to be a doula. Um, mentioned birthful and it was uh, March last year and, and it was lovely autumn time and I'd go walking every day with my dogs in the bushland and I'd listen to birthful podcasts and I'd, you know, sometimes walk two hours just listening to one episode after the other and I remember listening to the summer stories, the summer birth stories and thinking, I wonder what, you know, what is my story going to be one day? What will I say about my story? And then when I when all the dust had settled, I thought, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out and tell my story because I'm, I'm back in that moment again. It's autumn again, and and I'm, I'm in the same world and the same season, but I'm a completely different person, and I've got this new story. Mm. So yeah, yeah, and you're here now, sharing it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much. It's been no lovely worries. having you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, about the show. Send me messages and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod. And the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.